0: Sports moms have something to, to
1: say. say. Yes, no, we, we do.
0: do. We'll have a chance to interview across the board from athletes to the parents to the coaches to even the trainers.
2: Yeah. And we're not afraid to share our sure, sure. yeah, we're too. not afraid to tell other
0: moms what we went through in order to raise up a student athlete. So I believe that
3: it's inspirational. Yeah. We're able to tell our story the good and the bad. Yeah, yeah. You
2: can
0: give back positive information. Absolutely. You know, we can empower them. Yeah, I think it's time for the mothers to be a voice. Yeah, yes. That's it. Yes. It's time for us to, to let you know what's going on. Yes. What's up, everybody? This is your girl, Shannon, at Can We Talk Sports. I am here with my host. Kawashika. And... <laughs>
2: Karen, you got all
0: right. So listen, we usually start off chattering first, but this time tonight, we're gonna bring in Big Mama because see Big Mama kicking it. I mean, she living her best life, so we want to bring her in so she can kind of talk about what's going on. So can we bring Big Mama to the show? What's up, Big Mama?
1: <laughs> Big hey, ladies, hey. <laughs> Big Mama's in the club. Okay, listen, Big Mama's at a party, hey, y'all, right? Hey, wait, 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 wait. I'm trying to live my best life out here, I tell you. But, um, <laughs> this coronavirus is out, trying to shut me down. I'm trying to get to LA on Saturday. Just got another party to do. Shucks, I don't know what's going to happen. But um, hello, everybody. Uh, I don't really have much, you know, the. The virus has a lot of things shut down, a lot of things going on. Okay, I was trying to get the best lighting at this house, uh, but the only thing that kind of caught my attention this weekend sports is Dak. Ah, Dak Prescott, thirty three point five million dollars. I don't know. Maybe it's me. Get your money, Dad. Get your money. Um. I've seen you work. I've seen what you've been doing. Uh, get your money. Sign the papers. Uh, buy the Blue Band sings a song. Get your money where you spend your time. Look like you're spending your time over there in Jerry's world. Look like you love being there. Come on, get your money. Do what you do. Uh, to these young cats that's out here uh, going through this, getting ready for the trials with NFL teams going to visit, all of that has been shut down. Stay on your grind. Keep working out. Keep doing what you do. Your time is coming. The virus will soon get on the. They'll get a hand on it. The NFL will open back up so you can go and show them your best work. So I want you to um, keep putting in work. Doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo. But Big Bombers got to go. Coach is the track has been shut down for the schools. I get to have my coach to myself. Big mama <laughs> is out. Do <Deuces>! so <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, wait. Oh, wow, wait. wow Big Mama. Like I'm single which when track season started I'm a single woman, but it's been shut down. So I'm about oh, to shut it down Oh Y'all my god. Oh my god. Good night. I see we have a great guest. Good looking out, ladies. Y'all have a good night. This is Big Mama. I love y'all.
0: All right. We love you too. Bye, Big Mama. All right. So listen, she's living you. her best life. <laughs> Coach, all I'm going to do is just say a prayer for you.
2: <laughs> right.
0: Just, I'm just going to say a prayer for you, Coach. I'm just going to say a
2: prayer.
0: Oh, my God. This coronavirus has got everybody tilted. Like yeah. oh, I've been seeing the most funniest post on Facebook about this. I'm telling you, stuff people be coming up with. You're going, how? What in yeah. the world? Wait, what? You know what I'm yeah. saying? I've seen the nickel dime bag, <laughs> and and they rolled it up. You know, you know, the nickel and dime and those bags they be making for weed. Well, they rolled it up and put tissue. They're talking about if you need some tissue, hit me up. Really, <laughs> right. like y'all really are like
2: for real about this. <laughs> I saw a guy, he was a cheerleader, and he did a cheer to the coronavirus, and I was like, dang.
0: They're coming over, so I'll be some off the wall. I see one. She all in a um, hazmat suit with some high heels and her luggage at the airport. Wait, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord, these folks, yeah. man. It's it's. i I just been laughing. I'm it's like, Really? Coming. It has been hilarious. And then I'm not trying to be funny. You know, I, I love the Lord. I need y'all to know. But man, I've I seen more preachers all of a sudden. Folks come with the word and scripture. And I'm like, man, everybody has just, it's been funny. It's yeah. it's, it's It's been hilarious. It's like, it
2: really just, just
0: breathe five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Just say, okay, God, what do we do? And yeah. then just go from there. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Just. That's it. Like, but anyway. So, Kwasika, what's been going on?
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, listen, listen. I've uh, I know that, like y'all said, the coronavirus is spreading. Um, I think it's not major as we think it is. But at the end of the day, this is a spiritual warfare. It it was is. a man-made uh, disease um, that got out of control. Um, so I think the people of God right now, the true people of God, is solid right now to God's say speech. That's right. Yeah. So uh but take precautions. Yeah. Uh make sure you wash your hands. Absolutely. Well you should have been washing uh, them anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I don't, everybody's now, like, this is wash your hands. And you're like, but ain't you supposed right. to wash them anyway? <laughs> like right, it was something right. new and, to and do. Now I'm not understanding the tissue thing. <laughs> Um, I'm, Either. Really, What's the I'm really not. I'm, I, 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 I you, sh- Why you should, you should Um, like we're I'm we're really we're being food. silent, to try to hear God, um, honestly, because this this is, this is big, y'all, spiritually now, spiritually. So, I mean, like I say, us as people of God, we know that. And when He says speak, then speak, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, I don't I don't understand the tissue thing. Oh but you have the new first. When I say you have to make sure that you're building your immune system, please, 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 vitamins, detox, please, just do it. Just do it. Stop playing with yourself yeah, it's, yeah. It, we are we already been talking about being healthy stay healthy and then our college students are leaving i mean they school is out
0: i know school and it's out. not only that they've they found some other athletes who um the virus and then there's in the xfl there was i think in seattle right there was an athlete oh, man. Yeah. Um, who contracted the virus and so it's like um you know you just gotta you know, it's just, it is wisdom. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's just, I, I seen a post where somebody said, you know, um, a, um, anthrax or what is it was supposed to kill us. And then Ebola and, and they were going down the list of all these things. Right. So it's just like, just use wisdom. You know, like you said, just trust God. And, and it's kind of sad because it just really put a downer on these athletes. You know what I mean? It just, right. it shut down their whole, you know, their, their, season Lobbyhood. their playoff man you know so you know like i said just like she said wash your hands what you should have been doing anyway right okay right. but just use wisdom and i'm like you classica i'm trying to figure out this toilet paper thing right you know like there's folks who got tissue for the next six seven months right <laughs> oh I'm see gonna... there's that post right oh, yeah. there see it
2: yeah, yeah.
0: The Y two K, oh. remember that everybody was went out to 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 buy um generators y- and the lights. Yeah. Ne- yeah, and the lights never went out. And then there's yeah. the West now. And I mean, look at this. If you look at this, this is this is actually powerful. But I guess the mm-hmm. Corona has been the biggest one. I mean, it shut down sports right. and
2: yeah. so yeah. Well, so, I'm Karen, what you been up to? Uh I slept. I I think I got some of Kawashika. I was just like. Since my job is allowing me to work from home next week.
0: And she did say she will be on time for work now.
2: I will be on time. I'm going to roll out of bed and walk to
0: the desk. I hope I'll be on time. <laughs> but, I, when I saw that post, I was like, the character just say, I will now be on time for work. I was I like, been,
2: I've been making the work 9 30, 10. I think I'm supposed to be at work at 8. And so I'm going to be, try to be work at eight, but I'm going to use this time to practice some discipline. You know how you never feel like you have enough time in a day and you just, yeah. once you hit the ground, you're running and doing blah, blah, blah. I'm going to try to pause. I am going to pause to take that time to get up. Uh, one thing that I've been hearing is read Psalms 91 in the morning, in the evenings, read it out loud. And make personalized. So I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be uh, disciplining myself for prayer. And then I'm going to start my day. So I'm going to use. And then I'm going to clean out my purse. You know, I might do some things I haven't done in a while. Or been able to do in a while. Or need right. to be done. So while I'm working from home, I'm, a, I'm going to do those things. But I'm going to get a lot of work done.
0: I uh, Me too. I already moved my desk up in my theater room. So I told the kids, this is my office and my movie theater. What?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So I was like, mama, nope. I'm in here. I'm going to watch me movies. Click, click, click. And work. Yeah. So you know, but anyway, so that's, that's good. That's our, on the coronavirus and big mama's living her best life moment. So before we come on, we, before we bring our guest, Ronnie, we want to show you a clip about what he does. And then we want to come back and talk about special ed. Cause I have a lot of questions about it because you have a lot of athletes who um, go through the program at a young age. And I just kind of want to know the transition and, and the NCAA rules and all that and all those things. So, if we can, let's roll the clip. Here's Ronnie.
4: Uh, my books are Nelson Beast the Odds and uh, Tamika's New Dress. I've been in Northumberland twice doing speaking engagements, working with the special education department um, and really just encouraging kids to beat the odds, particularly kids with disabilities, um, kids who struggle academically, struggle behaviorally, struggle socially. And um, I wrote the book because I was in special education for seven years. So I wanted to write a book that sort of reflected my experience to give others who don't have disabilities an idea of what it's like to have a disability and how they may feel stigmatized. Well, my first book, as Nelson B.C. Odds, is a graphic novel about a young man. Actually, it's about myself, but the character Nelson, which is my middle name, who's struggling in school academically, he's struggling, and he ends up being placed in special education.
0: And when I read about Nelson feeling like a ninja student, skulking through the school classrooms, going from one room to another that- Hoping he wouldn't be seen by his friends. I just had this bond with this fictional character and I really wanted to do everything I could to help Ronnie and Nelson speak out to children who are struggling in school.
4: And now you've uh, come out with another new book. Tell us about that one. Yes, Tamika New Dress is uh, the second part of the Nelson BCI series and it's about Nelson's friend Tamika who's a very gifted student but who struggles with things at home, particularly with having a mom who's abusing drugs and dealing with some trauma in the home. The more you feel stigmatized, the less you feel like the norm or the less you feel, you know, uh, accepted. So what this book is really about people not feeling that division and just coming together. Um, Cause I think there's a lot of healing to be done, but as long as we had a division, you know, in our communities, then it's going to be really difficult to sort of bridge some of that division. So that is to make this new dress. I'm also talk about going to college and beating the odds. I've had teachers who said negative things like, you're not going to college. Um, you know, being in special education, you aren't afforded. A lot of the opportunities the other kids are afforded. So for me, um, having to beat the odds, go to college, not only earn my undergraduate degree, but my graduate degree was a tremendous honor. And after doing that, I said, you know, I need to give back and I need to really honor the kids who, who are coming behind me and know, having the same challenges. So that's what really encouraged me and motivated me to write the book.
0: The most important lesson in my life, in Ronnie's life, and in Nelson's life, is to keep at it. Don't give up and find the grown-ups in your world who will help you. It's like a dream to come true. And I support him all the way. And
1: I love him. as my baby. <laughs>
4: what message do you have for kids watching this morning who are dealing with learning disabilities? You're a therapist. Yes. You've beaten the odds. Yes. Well, I would say definitely be encouraged, uh, be strong, um, be bold. Don't give up.
1: Well, can we bring
0: Ronnie to the show? Hey, Ronnie, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you all? We are hey, good. Ronnie. Listen, that Welcome. was a that was a powerful clip. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it just I'm kind of like, wow, you beat the odds. Wow. So tell yeah. us about Ronnie, your journey, how it all began. I mean, what was um, what was it like? Because I I've I've dealt with it with my children, and um, it's a very difficult. Um, thing to deal with, but I've always spoke life into my children. So I've always, where the teachers say one thing, I always kind of say the opposite because I never wanted them to um, whatever the teacher said, that's it. So I, I always went to the word with me and I always spoke the office opposite. And so actually my, my um, one of my 13 year old twins actually pulled himself out. He is now reading at a 12th grade level when he was just about a year or so ago, reading at a like a fourth grade fifth grade level and he was in the sixth grade and he's in the seventh and he has now went up to a 12th grade level and he's fluently reading I think she said like 100 something or 200 something words a minute or something like that so I've I've watched him pull himself out but I kept saying you're intelligent you're successful and you're brilliant you're educated so anyway um Tell us about you. How did all this
4: transpire? Uh, That's a great question, and wow, your son sounds sounds amazing. Um, It all started for me in in third grade. Um, That's when I started. Well, the challenge I was having started to get the attention of some of my teachers, and um, I believe a lot of it was more behavioral than academic. And um, as I, you know, got older. I started becoming aware that I was in special education and I started feeling stigmatized. So by middle school, I was sort of embarrassed about, you know, being in special education, having to go to that classroom. And um, by the time I went to eighth grade, which in at my school, the eighth grade was in a high school. I wanted to transition out of special education. When I got to high school, not only did I remain in special education, but I was placed in the self-contained uh, classroom, which is, a classroom that special education students um, stay in for most of the day outside of taking elective classes. And that's when, you know, I began advocating more for myself and I let my parents know that I no longer wanted to be in special education. Um, So it took me until I was in ninth grade to actually get out of special education. But even, you know, getting out, the school still uh, assigned me to classes where you know they had low expectations for students they weren't academically challenging and you know it was (laughs) classrooms where you know you have peers in there who weren't really focused on the academic side of school more so on the social and other things so there's a lot of distractions in those classes so then I had to continue to advocate to you know to get classes that were more preparing me for college opposed to just preparing me for graduating high school. Wow, go ahead, Karen.
0: Oh, you don't have a question? Okay. No. I not That's have the thing right there where you said um, these classes. It is hard because, and I and I guess I I don't understand why, but when they put you in these classes and it's just you in there and maybe a few others,
4: and and they did they come and take you out of class to this class? Yeah, they. It was a uh, um. It was our media class, so I was. This was the middle school. I just took the, the remedial class. So I would go there um, just once a day, um, you know, in between some of my core classes. And it was me and about four of the four other guys in there. And um, the one thing I remember about the class that I had a really amazing teacher, uh, Ruth Toby, And she was, you, you talked about, you know, speaking life. My mom, she spoke life into me all the time. And I thank God for that. But I had a, also had a special education teacher who also saw my potential. And, you know, she realized that, you know, I had a couple of things I needed to work on, but it wasn't so much focused on my deficits, but more so focused on my strengths, things I could do well, opposed to just focusing so much on things I, I couldn't do.
0: So how did, how was this mentally for you when it came to, like, friends and
4: and your social life at that age? Well, my friends never knew I was a special education. I did such a good job, um, you know, keeping it from them and hiding from them. But I think for me, mentally, it was very difficult because, you know, I always see myself as intelligent. Um, Not so much, you know, multiple choice tests and, you know, so much the way that the school measured it. But, you know, I always knew that I was intelligent and smart. Um, I just had a really difficult time um, applying it. Um, I never quite felt like, you know, K through 12 was particularly, uh, you know, suited for my ability, um, I found a lot of success in college. Um, I felt very little success in K through 12. I graduated high school with a 1.8 GPA and a lot of it was because of the expectations. Um, teachers didn't expect much of me and I didn't give them much. Uh, when teachers expected more, I gave them more. Um, but unfortunately, you know, a lot of teachers didn't have expectations and I think, you know, race and gender played, played a role in that. And, um, you know, some bias, uh, because a lot of African-American males went to school with, you know, with the exception of a few, you know, they were pretty much treated and looked at the same way.
0: Now, was your mom involved a lot? Did she stay up at the school a lot? Because that also makes a difference.
4: Uh, my, my my mom, she was the type of person that, you know, she she didn't really have a, a lot of patience with the school. So she <laughs> sent my dad to sort of deal with a lot of it because he... <laughs> My dad is a pastor, so, you know, probably <laughs> he's a lot more um, forgiving.
3: <laughs>
4: you know, she, she always, she would say that, you know, she felt like the school was putting black boys in special education for the money. And, um, you know, wow. as I got older, I realized that the schools did get a lot of money for kids in special education. Yeah. yeah, they do. And, you know, black males and black students in general were the majority of the ones that, I, you know, was in my special education class. So a lot of things she was saying as I got older and even reading books like, um, Juwanza Kunjufu's The Conspiracy to Destroy Black Boys and listening to, you know, people like Dr. Umar speak, you know, there is a disproportionate number of African American children, particularly African American males, you know, placing special education or, you know, prescribed ADHD medication. So it is something that is it's a national trend. Um, now, States are starting to take notice of that, and are starting to, you know, do something about it. But you know, for the generation, you know, that I was in, you know, there was no such thing as inclusion. You know, education for kids who they diagnosed with disabilities, it was more of exclusion. Um, But now, kids are able to actually stay in their core classes with some support from a a teacher assistant, and they don't have to worry about always feeling like they're, you know, excluded from the general classroom
2: now did you take a uh, actually take a test how is it that they say okay ronnie you're going to go to these class was there tests that you took or you were filling all the other tests i mean who what how did the light shine how on? did
0: they how did they diagnose you with the the or disability what did they di- diagnose? You? yeah sure that was my
4: question what was it they diagnosed Mm-hmm. yeah so um you know that was a really weird thing when i went to middle school I took a bunch of tests, Um, you know, it was probably like four or five different tests that measure various things. Um, And, you know, based on those scores, I'm assuming they use that to determine the eligibility. But I actually went back and um, when I got to high school, I'm sorry, when I got to college, I wrote a paper about special education. And I've retrieved all of my documents and um, just reading them. A lot of the tests that they gave me, I was testing on grade level some even above grade level and some slightly below. So, um, you know, any and I've even let teachers look at some of the records and they say, you know, I shouldn't have been placed in special education based on the scores that I had. Um, And, you know, on the IEP, it just said learning disabled. It didn't say, you know, dyslexia. It didn't say anything. It just said learning disabled. Um, But as I got older and, again, doing research and talking to people who specialize in it, Um, there was a diagnosis of, uh, it's not dyslexia, it's this thing called dysgraphia, which is um, a disability that's a lot of time looking at handwriting and written language. And in school, that was one of my biggest struggles was my handwriting. Um, my handwriting was, you know, legible. And a lot of times teachers couldn't read it or couldn't make it out. And I had a lot of anxiety around it. Um, so that was always a, a challenge for me, um, executive functioning, being able to you know um being able to accomplish things, I was always disorganized <laughs> as a student, and um you know that a d h d was a was was a factor in that um just being able to to focus not being so impulsive um so it's a lot of different issues also glasses I had astigmatism, but I didn't like wearing my glasses, and I think that compounded some issues um So, it was a lot of different things going on, but underneath it all, you know, was an intelligent student. And, you know, for me, not seeing that intelligence recognized or not seeing it, you know, appreciated, it really led to a lot of frustration, um, you know, with teachers, especially my general education teachers. Wow.
0: So, um, wow, that is a lot. Okay. So, the like with mine. Okay. Let me start back with my oldest, with Jordan. Um, I homeschooled him to fifth grade. Um, and then when he went to fifth grade, they wanted to put him in, no, let me go back. And second, they kept passing him. And so by the time he got to third or third grade going into fourth, they were saying he can't read, but yet I was getting papers saying he could read and he was smart. So, but then when we, when I switched him to this school, they were like, he can't, read. And I'm like, wait, what? We sit down, we read, we do this. So I don't know where they came up with this test. It was weird. So anyway, they come trying to talk about special ed and all these things. So I took him out of school and I homeschooled him. And I had a lady, I was blessed to have someone help me homeschool him till fifth grade. When he went to sixth grade, he says, mama, don't put me in special ed. He said, I got this. And he, and I'm telling you, graduated from OU with honors. I mean, he excelled. So then here comes my twins. And now they're like, they're dyslexia and all these things. And I was like, okay, here we go again. And so start working with them. And now, like I said, Christopher's seventh grade reading at a 12th grade level. Um, they just put him in college prep classes. Christopher, Christian, the other one is excelled. So I guess I'm trying to understand, like you said, where, what kind of tests are they giving them? Because they're saying, well, they took the um, the state test now. What is it called, Karen. Uh, Kawasica, what is it this, the, the St- test they're taking now
2: they're taking the star now the star
0: day. yeah
1: star.
0: and so the star and all these things and it's like you're you're telling me one thing and at home I'm seeing another was that like what your mom like you're telling me my son is this way but at home I'm seeing him
4: either read fluently or excel have you did you deal with that yeah absolutely I mean Um, and and I've even asked some teachers that and, you know, what I've got from I had asked one of my white professors that we were talking about ADHD in one of my classes and I asked, I said, you know, when I go to church or when I'm with my family you know, they don't ever bring up ADHD and she was saying and she said, you know, with, with I guess she was saying with the dominant culture at school you know, teachers with majority of my teachers, you know, were white females she was saying that tolerance for those types of behaviors aren't the same as an African-American community. And, you know, it almost, the light kind of went off, you know, uh, our family, our parents, our communities, you know, see this much differently than, you know, a lot of times the teachers that, you know, our kids have to, you know, see in school and, you know, even what they're finding, even with the SAT, a lot of these tests are racially biased, um, you know, in the way that they're made. So there's no, I mean, you you think about the the disproportionate number of kids in in special education, and you think about some of these tests being culturally biased, and you know it starts to make sense. And um, you know, I think one of the things that you know parents and communities need to do is to find ways to reevaluate that because what they're doing is a lot of African American kids are being placed in special education, but then when you look at gifted education, African American students are under underrepresented. So there's almost like a flip-flop. And then you have kids with disabilities, which they call them twice exceptional. So it may be a child with dyslexia, but they also may be a math genius. Or sometimes you see it with autism or Asperger's kids who struggle socially, but you know, intellectually, they're you know, they're they're in that top, you know, one or two percent. So um just being able to not be so focused on deficits. And being able to, you know, appreciate some of the, the brilliance and the, and the greatness in the kids. So how do we,
0: how do we make this awareness? I mean, so you go through this, you graduate, you said with a one point eight. Yes. And now look at you.
2: How'd you get into college with that?
4: Right. How, that's the question. How did you get into college with a one point eight? Well, community college, you can come in a community college with a GED. You can actually come into community college without a high, without a high school diploma or GED. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I applied to a local community college and um, my friend, he was at a college called Old Dominion University. And I would go down there with him uh, on the weekends and I saw how much freedom and fun he was having. So, you know, I, I quickly looked to see what the requirements for ODU was. Because I didn't even take my SAT out of high school. So when I left high school, I didn't have SAT or ACT. I just had a 1.8 GPA. But at Old Dominion, the requirement for transfers was a 2.5 GPA. And they didn't even look at your um your SAT or, or ACT score. And you just had to do one semester um, at the community college. Well, I think it was 20 credit hours. Uh, so um, I made sure I met the requirements. I applied there. I was accepted. Um started there in the fall and um, I graduated four years later uh, with a 3.0 GPA in college, undergrad. And um, after that, I worked for a while. Then I went back to grad school and actually finished um, Virginia Commonwealth University with a 3.5 GPA. So, you know, I always tell people that, you know, you can't let that high school GPA measure your intelligence. And I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, computers. Because um, once, you know, I got to college, everything sort of transitioned to the computer, which meant that my handwriting wasn't a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found organizing, I could organize a lot better with computers, um, the way Microsoft Word was set. So I could open a couple different tabs and have ideas on different tabs. And I just found a computer to be a much easier way for me to process information. Um, I always felt like my thoughts were racing faster than my hands when I was writing um, but when I was able to type, um, and I took the took a typing class in high school, I could sort of keep up with my thoughts uh, with the keyboard. Wow! I didn't. Wow. I like that. I didn't think about that. Wow! Wow!
0: That you could keep up with your then your writing, because in writing sometimes you might your your mind is going so fast, and then you go back and you're like, oh, I didn't miss about four five words. You know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> And it's like, oh, let me go back again. And, you know, <laughs> so, okay. Well, congratulations on your yeah. accomplishment. I mean, three, you went from a 1.8 to a 3.5. That is powerful. During this time, did you ever play a sport or did you, um, now that you, you know, graduating and you wrote this book and we're, we're going to get to the book, have you, have you seen athletes who have to go through these classes and what has it been like for them?
4: Yeah. Um, I wasn't blessed with the athletic gene. <laughs> 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 I, um, I played little league baseball and we had an eighth grade basketball uh, team, but sports really wasn't, um, something I was very strong at. So, um, I didn't, I didn't put as much passion into it as, as, you know, I wish I would have now as, as I'm older, but, um, I didn't put a lot of passion to it then, but a lot of the, um, guys I went to school with who were athletes, a lot of them struggled academically, um, Someone wearing my special education class, this one um, kid in particular, uh, his name was Arthur. And um, one of the characters in my books is Nelson B. Sides. He's, I include him as a character in the book. His name is Anthony, but uh, he was a really good uh, baseball player and, and basketball player. But he, could, he couldn't, he, he struggled reading. Reading was a challenge for him, and he never liked to read out loud. Um, but he always used being a class clown to sort of mask you know, his, his disability. And, um, you know, he he was actually recruited for the college. I graduated from VCU to play baseball. But, you know, he never gave it a shot because of his um, his dyslexia. He he just, he felt like he wouldn't have been able to succeed academically. And I see it a lot with, you know, players in this area is that sometimes schools will, you know, make it easy for them. They'll, you know, sort of, you know, not really challenge them. They'll give them an easier path. They'll coddle them. And, then when it's 11th, 12th grade year, when they need to take SATs and have a certain GPA to get into college, you know, they're not prepared academically. And it's sad because, you know, these players are much loved and beloved in high school. But then when they don't make it to college and they graduate, you know, those crowds and those teachers and administrators and ADs aren't there to support them. So, you know, a lot of times I feel like they do kids a disservice. Um frank uh there's, there's a basketball player named Frank Mason from Virginia, and um, his his, dad, his stepdad is, is my cousin, and he went to Petersburg high School and his uh I think it was a social studies teacher he, they had failed him and um, he had had a scholarship to go to um a college and because they had failed him, he had to you know go to a, a fifth year senior um, high school and really it actually worked out for him because he ended up going to Kansas University and then he was drafting an MBA, but that was a, that teacher got a lot of flack, you know, the, the city hated her because she held him accountable. But, you know, at the end of the day, it worked out for Frank, but I think it taught him a lesson too, is that, you know, you have to do the same. You have to be held accountable, just like every other student. I think when we don't do that for athletes, it really is a disservice for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's because, and like you said, I've seen that where they give them easy classes just to pass, to be able to play for the school. But then when it comes to graduation, then they don't meet the requirements that the colleges, that DNCA said you need. And like you said, you need and to get into college. And I it does do them disservice. Um, it messes them up because now here's this talented athlete and he can't show his talent because the school put him in a, labeled him or diagnosed him wrong, put him in a special ed class, but the classes didn't meet the requirements. It just met the requirements to graduate, but it didn't meet the requirements to go to college.
4: And and I want to add one more thing in that too, is because sometimes, because the one thing about special education is that some people use it as a crutch and some people use it to take advantage of the resources. So there's a lot of college athletes who their coaches get them um, the 504 plans or, because if you have an IEP and in, in, in high school, um, you can actually get accommodations in college. And some coaches use that as a way to get, get the athletes extra, um, extra accommodations, you know, to succeed academically, um, and to stay on the teams. So they'll say that some kids, you know, have a disability who may not have one because they want them to get the accommodations. Which will keep wow. them, you know, eligible to to play. And um, I, there was an article I read. I don't know if it was Alabama, but you see it a lot in the South um, with athletes who some of them may want to major in, you know, biology or major in mathematics, but the colleges will put them on a, you know, a academic, you know, plan that to where they might be exercise science or something that's going to be really easy and not really challenge them. Um, so I think that's where the advocates you know, have to step in and. And, and that's unfortunate because a lot of the players don't really, they might not have had good, you know, luck academically. And they may say, okay, this is an easier plan. This can help me, you know, get through college, but let's say they get injured or something happens and, you know, they, they lose their scholarship and they just drop out of college. And, um, because their academic, you know, was never a focus. Wow. So we have a
0: question. Um, where did I go? What would you recommend? What would you recommend for students with dyslexia?
4: Um, there's some things that I've heard. There's there's some teachers who have recommended some people who I know that had dyslexia. Is um, they have this? I think it's carbon copy paper. There's different colors, mm-hmm. and um, my I have a daughter who's who's a struggling reader, and um, my former special education teacher actually came over last week, and you know she was you know giving us some tips and going to some different exercises. And she had also recommended that. But what you do is that you put this, this almost like carbon paper over top of a regular paper. So it may be like blue or orange. And some kids with dyslexia are actually able to read, you know, better when you put a carbon copy, um, paper, which is of a different color. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but, um, they say it, it, it works, um, I would also recommend a lot of times it's not so much of the kids that it is the parents, you know, some parents are easily frustrated with their kids and sometimes that frustration comes out and, you know, almost really negative, almost bullying type of behavior. And wow, just, you know, just kind of, you know, sometimes the parents, we feel like it's our fault that our kids, you know, struggle in various ways and some things are genetic, but a lot of things, you know, aren't. And, you know, sometimes just. For parents to sort of take back, take a step back, you know, uh, educate themselves because a lot of times when I mean, you're you don't have the knowledge of what's going on and you feel like, you know, you you can't help your child. You know, it makes you feel frustrated. So, doing the research, um, taking a step back, taking a pause, you know, talking to experts. Um, you know, any kid who any time a parent is, is suspects that child may have a disability can. Go to the school and ask for an eligibility meeting with the with the administration to see if their kid is eligible for special education. A lot of times with dyslexia, schools won't always accommodate with an IEP, but you can also ask for the 504 plan, which is um, a little different than the IEP mm-hmm. because the schools the schools by law have to accommodate IEPs, um, but with the 504 plan, it's not you know mandated by the government, so. You know, they can or they, you know, they can accommodate it to the best of their needs, but it's not like the IEP. But you can okay. also seek that. And um, you okay. could also get private um, testing for dyslexia. Now, it, it is expensive, you know, sometimes yeah. um, the, and they, they have different reading programs um, also that, you know, can help kids who have dyslexia to, you know, to, to read. So I heard you say you have a little girl. Yes, I have have three girls. Um, so when did you discover with your daughter and her reading? Um, probably about second grade. Um, hmm. There's some things that we were seeing, and then some things that some of the teachers were seeing. And um, she, we we took her took took much of the eligibility meeting and didn't. Um, according to the school, they they she didn't meet the criteria to go further. You know, in the process, mm-hmm. um. So you know, it's, it's just reading has just been a challenge for her. You know, since then and even now. Um, so we at you know working more former special education teacher just to see what strategies um, you know she can implement to help her, um, you know, and support her in that wow. process. Because now that she's in sixth grade, the work is a lot. It's getting more difficult. Yeah, um, yeah it is. And you know, it's it's a self self conscious thing for her to to have that. So we want to, you know, help yeah. her feel more confident in our reading and, you know, to do better. Um, the, the, the younger one, she's, she's actually getting some support in reading, but she reads really well. Um, she doesn't, She's just more confident when it comes to the process. And, you know, some people reading is a challenge and they kind of lose that hope and, you know, they it's almost get into that, that learned helplessness mode. Um, but then you have others that thrive. So, I never look at kids all the same. My sister, she was a straight-A student all through school, very wow. smart. You know, and me on the other hand, you know, everything was a challenge <laughs> for me. But, you know, at the end at the end of the day, I tell her, I said, I have one more extra degree than you. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and it's really because, you know, I think students that struggle, they actually have an edge. Because, you know, you have to work so hard. You have to work twice as hard as everyone right. else to get to yeah. where they are. And, you know, a lot of times my friends who were like, work came easy to them. They didn't have to study for their tests. And they didn't really like a- apply themselves in college. You know, they didn't really push themselves further to get advanced degrees. You know, but for me, I was always hungry to prove myself and, you know, to, to just do more. So it, it really forced me to excel. um just to prove to myself to prove to some of those teachers and to prove to anybody who ever doubted me that you know i am intelligent i am smart yeah you know and i can do it
2: now did you have to um get in any special programs once you went to college to help you through uh, college or did it just whatever you were struggling with in L- high school it stopped it changed it stopped it
4: well, you know, in college, when you take, when you go into college, you take maybe an entrance exam in math and reading. Mm-hmm. So I did actually think I to, to take some remedial. I think I took a remedial, was it writing class and a remedial math class. And, you know, that really made me mad because you have to pay for them, but you don't get any credits for them. <laughs>
2: right.
4: So, um, it just, you know, it was something that just made me push. And I will say that my, um, former high school, you know, they did prepare me a lot, um, I don't know how I would do. I don't think school's push kids as much as they did back when I was in school. Um, but I felt prepared when I got to college. And you know, I was a pretty decent writer. Um, you know, I my reading was was pretty good. Math was always a struggle, but you know, I did well enough to to meet my requirements. But, you know, I feel like with with kids, you have to set the bar high. Um, you know, for them because a lot of times when you come out and you go to college, there's nobody You know, if you go into college on your own, there's no you don't have your mom there to tell you do your homework. And, you know, for me, I felt like community college sort of gave me that extra year of maturity. Um, And people in the offices were more supportive in community college to help you along, opposed to university where you have 20,000 kids. You're just a number. Nobody's going to be looking after you. You don't have to go to class if you don't want to. Right. So, you know, sometimes maturity is a huge, huge um, plays a huge part in the child's success.
2: So but is there any kind of programs that helped you in college or that kids who have that disability that carry the help carries over to college and you can get that? extra Yeah.
4: Um, well, they have. Uh, I I program I didn't take advantage of, but they have a program called, um, I guess it's different to each college, but I know um, around here it's called Student Support Services, and it was a service for kids who had disabilities or who are first-year college students, and they had a counselor there that they could go to and find support on. Again, if you have an IEP or a 504 plan, you can go to the college and um, seek various accommodations. I didn't seek those accommodations. I was very prideful, I didn't even want them knowing I had a learning disability because I didn't want any extra help. I wanted to kind of go in there and do it on my own. I didn't want anybody saying, "Oh, you got this degree because you know you you the school you know made it easy for you." I, I didn't want that. So I was very I'm, I am still a very powerful person, you know. For, fortunately for me, I was able to you know succeed despite my pride. But I never encourage other students to do that because. I get emails and messages from parents who have kids in college who struggled. Some athletes and some just, you know, regular students, and they didn't take advantage of some of those supports, and you know, you know, almost at risk of failing out of school or, um, you know, you know, quitting school. So, just come in freshman year, just get as many support as you can. Find out what accommodation you can get, whether it's extra time, you know, testing. Um, take advantage of your teacher's office hours. Uh, just little things you can do. O- always found a buddy in the classroom because, again, I always had an issue with organization and keeping deadlines and dates. People would just say, hey, you know, we got a test next week. You want to study? Um, and, you know, and, and those types of things. So with all of this, um, Nelson beats the odds.
0: You not only graduated with a 3.5, um, you wrote a book,
4: several books.
0: Several books. <laughs> I mean, listen, you guys, he went from a 1.8 GPA in high school to now two degrees and an author of several books. So don't say what you can't do. It's all a mindset. It's all a determination. And like he said, he was hungry and he was determined. And so, um, and he saw some things that just didn't seem right, especially as an African-American young man. And he was, and so somewhere in his mind, it was like, I've got to, I've got to help. I've got to, I've got to beat this so I can help somebody else beat it. So tell us about Nelson
4: Beats the Odd. How did that come about? So, so when I finished um, VCU, I invited my uh, former special education teacher to my graduation so we, had, you know, reconnected after several years. And um, one day on Facebook, she said, you know, you need to tell your story. And I took it literally as in, you know, I need to figure out how to publish a book. And um, I went online to search, looked, review, researched the whole process and finally figured out, you know, who to talk to. And I found the illustrator. We connected um, the husband actually is a husband and wife team. He had he was he was diagnosed with dyslexia so you know i Mm -hmm. felt like that would be a good partnership and i felt like he would be able to you know help tell my story in a way that was you know honest and um you know with the book i wanted to write a book that would appeal to middle school students so i would say sixth grade is when everything sort of hit me you know like a like a ton of bricks so i really wanted to hit that age group and target them with the book and just be able to write a story that's um speaks to the struggling student who has behavior issues or learning challenges and to really just let them know that hey you know despite what anyone says despite where you are right now none of that matters you know what matters is how you see yourself and where you see yourself you know at in five ten years from now so how has it been um Selling wise, your book is, is it in
0: schools or is it just on Amazon? And do you got out and speak with it? Tell us a little bit more about it.
4: Yeah, um, the book I mean, at one when the first when I first released it, the first couple of months, it was a bestseller. Um, every now and then it sort of you know comes back in that top five of the list or so becomes a bestseller. Last week, I made it all the way to number three under the learning disabled category, and I was, um, I think, like, number 20 in graphic novels, but it always fluctuates um, and it's always based on sales. So I had a really big sales push um, last week. Also, as far as schools, you know, I have had schools buy. I think the most I've ever sold to a school is 300 books. Um, wow. Schools wow. circulate the books. They wow. um, I was just in Richmond, Richmond City Public Schools. They brought some books for students. Um, Colonial Beach Public Schools, a librarian, had brought some and let the kids read it and I came on and spoke to them. But, you know, I love just being in front of kids because a lot of times kids never met authors. They don't really know what authors do. They don't know how lucrative being an author could be. I've made a lot of money, you know, selling books, doing professional speaking opportunities. So, you know, I'm able to just break the process down to them and let them know that this is something anybody can do. Um, You just have to be willing to do the research and find people that can help you, you know, get it done. So my my last
0: question is so what are you doing now um with your degrees and with all you've learned and your accomplishments what are you doing now
4: Well I'm actually starting a new job tomorrow <laughs> so <laughs> congratulations That should be thank you that should be really exciting um my last job I was outpatient therapist so I got licensed became a licensed therapist uh 2 years ago and um that's opened up a lot of different doors so I put a lot of more focus on that area because I I enjoy working with families, working with youth, um, you know, helping them, you know, live their best life, just like Big Mama. So um, <laughs> just, just, you know, just trying to help support families because I feel like, you know, it's it's, it's a tough world, you know. We talked yeah. about the coronavirus, and there's a lot of vulnerable individuals in this world. And, you know, do Tamika's New Dress and Rest in Peace for Sean, which are my other books. I focus more on trauma, grief, bullying, gang violence. And I try to focus on issues that you really don't see a lot in books. But, you know, when I walk into the school, these are issues that kids are facing. These are the conversations they're having.
0: Yeah, it is. Even as athletes, you you find a lot of athletes who um, deal with those situations really fight hard because they're determined to get out of their situation or determined to get their mom out of the situation. And so, They their their drive is so different, you know. But then, like you said, it's it's kind of not fair because when you get a coach that gives them easy classes, it really doesn't help them. It actually hinders them because then they don't understand responsibility. It's like they're driving here in sports, but when it comes to classwork, it's nonchalant because coach will get me out of it or coach will give me something easy and and put me in an easy class, and you know I don't have to strive here. So then when sports like now when situations like this virus stops everything right Right. um or when an injury happens then they're especially ones that didn't finish college they're like okay what do i do with my life now Mm -hmm. and here again it goes because there was no discipline educational wise but there's always discipline sport wise would you agree kawasika
3: absolutely
0: (laughs) yeah so what about you, Karen?
3: Yes,
2: I I definitely agree with that. Even though I praise so much how, you know, the athletes from DeSoto are getting college education. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I mean, this is the eye opener that, you know, that they could be just be put in any kind of little classes in order to make them continue to be eligible in order to win games. Right. And, and so we have to definitely continue to, Educate our kids that sports is, they play sports, but it's not their identity. They still need to form another identity of who they are and what else they can do if they wasn't playing sports. So I just love uh, Ronnie coming on and being transparent and letting our parents know because I remember in high school, my cousin was in this special ed class. I just know her and her friends. They went to a separate class. They never was in any of our, in our classes all through mm. high school. And they graduated with us. And I didn't necessarily, I think I probably knew that they were in a special ed. They needed special help. But I didn't necessarily know what that mean. I didn't know what that meant or anything. And so um, this is just a. Information that we thought was very vi- valuable to bring to parents when they're dealing if they're dealing with their kids who are having struggling with school that there are some things that they can do. They can go and ask for this assessment test to be done. You know, um, they can you know get the kids can get that extra help. And and when and when we don't have to look at it as being something negative and bad. Right. Right. You know. So this and that's great. what I'm
0: like is when they, because I went through it. I was in it in, in high school and they take you out to class. And plus I was an athlete, I played sports, but, you know, I, I look back over it and, and uh, I ended up going to, uh, co- well, I didn't go to, I was trying to go to college, but long story short, that didn't work out. So here I am in my forties and I went back to school and because I, I wanted to be an architect. I just, math and me you know, we just, we didn't have a thing, you know, we, we not we went cool. Cause I was like, can we just like get past math? Do we have to have math to do architect work? Right. I, Cause I could drop. So I was like, okay, God, I'm a push. So I go back to college and I made a 4.0. Wow. I made a 4.0. I made honor roll. Listen, this girl was what in math. I got an A. I was like, and then all the ITTs closed down <laughs> all over the world. So, you know, I, I but I, I did, I pushed through and I, I wanted to show my kids that, you know, and I graduated with a great, you know, a nice GPA, but it was just the fact of going through these classes in my time, it was hard, you know, because you were taken out and the kids were looking at you. And, and then if you were put in the class with those that, that were um, d- disabled, it was really hard mentally you know, but I got through it. And, and so my kids have gotten through it. But Ronnie, tell those out there, um, what would you tell a parent that needs that um, information-wise or what to look for and the questions that they should ask? Because I think there's questions that a parent should ask um, when it comes to dealing with their child, um, especially if the school has diagnosed them with they. A, um, a disability, whether it's ADHD, dyslexia, whatever it is, what should the parents be asking so they can get the right information?
4: Well, I would always try to go, you know, from the least restrictive alternatives possible. So if you can get that 504 plan and get some accommodations in place without having to go through the IEP route, maybe try that. Okay. Um, if you can't get those accommodations and you or you feel like the, the child has a more extensive, you know, learning issue. And I would definitely, you know, go to see if you can get an eligibility meeting started. Um, if you still have some issues, you know, search for an advocate, special education advocate in the community who can maybe go to these meetings with you. If you have a, your, your son or daughter is already in special education and you feel like they aren't getting their needs met, you know, seek out an advocate. Um, those advocates, Sometimes I've seen them work wonders. Um, they even have lawyers who work with families it's on special education. So definitely go those routes. Go that extra mile um, because, you know, those accommodations, again, are by law. You know, the kids are supposed to get those. Um, but mainly is informing and educating yourself. There's a website called understood.org that has a lot of information on special education and resources for families. Um, They did a video, you know, on my situation. <clears throat> I learned that I had this graphia from them, you know, and they have a Twitter page. You can ask questions, but understood.org is good. Um, there's an ADHD website, I think, add.org that's fantastic. Um, but just arm yourself with information. So when you're going into those meetings, you aren't going in there blindsided. You aren't going in there, you know, feeling like you want an expert on your own child. always tell parents, you know, you're the expert on your own, like no teacher administrator should sit there and tell you about your child or tell you something about your child that you don't already know. You know, don't feel intimidated by those individuals in the room um, because you are the expert and also allow your child to have a voice because at the end of the day, they're going to be the one sitting in that special education class, you know, they're going to be the ones walking across that stage, you know, in 12th grade. So, let them have a voice allow them to be able to make decisions for themselves um and just be active in their own education plan you know i think it's it's worse when you just have a kid who's being told to do everything and they never have a say i don't think that really helps a kid you know develop maturity or develop into a, a successful adult you know allow them to have some say so on their on their life yeah that's true let
2: me you know let me ask you this um I have a friend that's texting me and then she's online too. How patient should a parent be when they're dealing with their kids who are dealing with this, with a disability? That's a good Cause question. sometimes us, as parents, we're like you, Johnny, you know, you can read this. Come over and read this. Why are you not getting this? I know yeah. you can't tell one plus one is two. I can't understand. Yeah. How patient Should yeah. we as parents, I mean, who can help us? Yeah. To help, to help. Well, I mean help. it's
4: it's it's that's a good that's a good uh question because you know, if if we saw someone in a wheelchair, you know, and and you know, we would be a lot more patient for them, we'd be more understanding, we would, you know, be a lot more accepting and tolerant because we can see that, right? Right. But someone who has dyslexia or dysgraphia, they may look very intelligent or they may be very intelligent in you know various ways but maybe they struggle and a lot of time you have those with hidden disabilities or disabilities that are not physical then our tolerance and patient isn't as high Um, but again that's why i said education comes in because you can be very intelligent very smart and have a disability and it kind of goes unnoticed um but you know just think about a physical disability and how patient a person would be or just think about a baby you know, we're much more patient with babies than we are with 12-year-old kids, you know. <laughs> but, you know, when it when it comes to a learning disability, you know, some kids who may be 15, they may, you know, process a little bit younger than that physical age. Um, but just trust me, if it's frustrating for you, it's double frustrating for that child in that mm-hmm. situation.
0: Do you think it's because, like, the child, what I've learned about my twins, they really think outside the box, Right. And sometimes you're like, wait, what, what is you talking about? But then when you got to sit down, I don't know if it's, is that how they're viewing things because of the disability? Because they, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but they, they ask questions or they think outside of the box or they, and then yet they're able to figure out their homework by the questions or the things that they talk about. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the type of, that's the type of, um, you know, thinker that I, I remember a teacher pulling me to the side and, taking me to go see another teacher and asking me to work out this math problem. And, you know, he just couldn't understand how I was doing it. And I think, you know, sometimes with our kids and it could be our culture. And I think sometimes we we kick ourselves for not being good at math, but then you think about the history of black people and all of the achievements and things, you know, we've been able to do throughout the history of the world. And, you know, a lot of it required mathematics, but it wasn't taught the way that it's taught, you know, in American schools. Mm. And I don't think, that you know our gifts and our intelligence is always viewed or always measured the way that you know it it has been in the past. And when you took your your child out to home school, sometimes you know that is, is 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 the way to go. I've seen parents who had you know that they were immigrants to this country and they sent their kids back to their homeland and then brought them back to America and they've seen that child excel because I I went to college with kids from Africa and. They came to America and was like, you know, we were doing this math, and we were, you know, in eighth grade. You know, you all in twelfth grade doing the same thing. So, a lot of times, you know, sometimes (laughs) it's it's that environment. You know, it's, it's. I don't, I don't. When I was telling you about when I was in class with kids who were underachieving, it became an environmental thing. And they say when you're in Rome, you do what Romans do. So if you're in a class where, you know, you have kids who are two years older than the kids who are supposed to be in the class and Or kids who haven't really had a lot of academic success or who haven't really been looked at, you know, as if they were intelligent, you know, it it leads to like a a toxic environment. So it's hard for kids to sustain and to grow and to develop in those environments because you become the environment. So, you know, um, you know, a lot of kids I went to school with who were gifted, but also they felt like the gifted classes, they were being separated from their friends. Or well, the gifted classes were for nerds, so I some of the kids were actually smart. Smart black males were underachieved just to fit in with you know the other kids. So you know some of it's historical. You know historically, just look at what they did to you know the African slaves, forbidding them to read and write, you know, and to learn, mm-hmm. and how you know yeah. they were more concerned about what they could do physically than what they could do mentally. And you kind of see that with sports too. But, you yeah. know, a lot of the times, you know, in America, intelligence isn't something that, you know, people see as something African-American people can do. But as a community, we have to start prioritizing it and, you know, letting our kids know that it's OK to be a good student. Yeah, um, that's right. And that's something to be, you know, praised and to be something we need to commend our kids instead of, you know, uh, putting them down.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Wow, this has been really good. Very educational. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's so much because we can, there's so many ways you can go with this conversation because we, we can even talk about how many kids they have in a class. And so the mm-hmm. kids that are the quick learners, the smart learners are kind of put to the front. The ones aren't put to the back. And so the ones that can't catch on as fast, I mean, they can get the work done, but just because they can't catch on as fast, you know, they're they're left behind. So, I mean, there's so many ways we can go with this, but um, again, thank you for coming to the show, um, educating us. Parents, please, please ask questions. get the proper help, sit down, talk to your child, encourage them, continue to, you know, I I call it speak life into them and tell them that they are smart, that they are educated. Um, Just because you may learn this way doesn't make you different than anybody else. It's just, that's how you learn. I know like with my children, they like to have music. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. that way too. Sometimes I have to have music. And for some reason I zone in real good. But when I don't have music and it's quiet, I'm everywhere. I'm thinking of all kinds of stuff I could get done. I'm like, but music, mm-hmm. some people, you know, have to have orchestra music or just something to zone them in. But this is good. Classic. Are you have any questions for me go off air?
3: Yeah. It seems like every time I'm about to speak, I go, go off. <laughs> but no, um, a lot of informative information, uh, And it's crazy because, well, it's not crazy, but one of my sons is actually yeah, in in, in that class. And it actually started when he was smaller, okay, and he couldn't speak. He couldn't understand anything he was saying. And so it started, you know, as far as his speech. But then they did diagnose him with intellectual disability. Now, me as a parent, you know, being raised, you know, you know, you have to be careful what you speak over your children. You know, I never said that's what you have, you know, or that's Mm -hmm. what you, you know, have at this time, even though they diagnosed it. So you do have to be careful what you speak over your children. You know, you have to encourage them and uh, and let them know, you know, you are smart. You are great, you know. You will get over, you know, overcome the obstacles. You just learn differently. Right. You, you have a special way of learning. And That's so it right. just depends on, it, it It really matters. what.
0: Oh, she went off again. It does. It matters what you say. And even to the athletes, parents, don't let them just put your child in a class because it's easy so they can win a championship don't, don't, don't do that to your child, especially if your child has the ability to learn and is smart. Don't, don't let them dumb him or her down so they can win a championship. I've seen it done, messed up a young man's life. Parents get involved out there, ask questions and protect your child, protect their education. It's important, protect their mind. So, um, We could go, like I said, we could go on and on about this because this is really a tough subject and it's going on so much in schools and, and they're just, it's like a prescription up dyslexia, put them in a class up. They can't read, you know, and it's just like, and parents are just not all, but some parents just go with it because they don't know what to do. They don't know the questions to ask. So, um, Ronnie, can you tell everybody how to get in touch with you? If they have questions, um, how to get your book how to follow you if you're on
4: Facebook or any social media. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on uh, Facebook at Ronnie Sidney Second LCSW, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ronnie Sidney II. Uh, you can get my book, um, NelsonBeastEyes.com, or you can just search Nelson Beast Eyes on Amazon. Um, you'll, you'll find them. All right, well, this is your girl Shannon at Can
0: We Talk Sports, and I am here with my host.
2: Um, wait, Washington. I got oh gonna...
0: no, that's She She'd have messed up my, my ending show. I my...
2: Know, I'm sorry because <laughs> my friend is texting me. She's like, asked him about I can't even pronounce the word, but it's about the math. This uh, disability,
4: this, this cal- is it scapula,
2: yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. <Definitely laughs> ask him. She said, "My
4: daughter is listening." He didn't answer oh, the question. Oh, okay. Just like I answer
2: that question.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Um, I'm not. I'm not all that familiar with that particular disability, um, so I can't really offer a lot of um, support on that particular question. But it is again another one. I think it's dyscalculia. D y s c a. I forgot how to spell it, but it is another one of those disabilities. that isn't as popular as dyslexia. Um, but, again, go to understood.org. They do have information about that particular disability. They also have a, a lot of tips, too, for parents um, who are working with kids who have that.
0: Understood.org?
4: Yes. Okay. All right.
0: Understood.org will have all the information that you need to know about dealing with dyslexia. So let me try this again. <laughs> this is your girl, Shannon. And can we talk sports? And my host... Kawashika. And Karen. And we want to thank you, Ronnie, for joining our show. We will see you guys next Sunday with a new guest. And we're going to talk, I don't know, what we talk about next Sunday. Uh, I think you, next Sunday Ronnie. might be Booster Club. Oh, at oh the Booster Club. Oh, that's yeah. going to be an interesting show. Yeah. So we will talk to you next Sunday on Can We Talk Sports? Bye. Bye. Bye.
3: Good night, guys. Bye. Good night.